0: Section three of Dangerous Connections. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dangerous Connections by Pierre Coderlaut de Laclos. Section three. Letters eleven to fifteen. Letter the eleventh. The Presidente de Tourvel to Madame de Volanges.
1: Your severe letter would have alarmed me, madame, if happily I had not found here more causes for security than you give me for being afraid. This redoubtable monsieur de Valmont, who must be the terror of every woman, seems to have laid down his murderous arms before coming to this chateau. Far from forming any projects there, he has not even advanced any pretensions, and the quality of an amiable man which even his enemies accord him almost disappears here, to be superseded by that of Frank good-nature. It is apparently the country air which has brought about this miracle. What I can assure you is that, being constantly with me, even seeming to take pleasure in my company, he has not let fall one word which resembles love, not one of those phrases which all men permit themselves, without having, like him, what is required to justify them. He never compels one to that reserve which every woman who respects herself is forced to maintain nowadays, in order to repress the men who encircle her. He knows how not to abuse the gaiety which he inspires. He is perhaps somewhat of a flatterer, but it is with so much delicacy that he would accustom modesty itself to praise. In short, if I had a brother, I should desire him to be such as Monsieur de Valmont reveals himself here. Perhaps many women would ask a more marked gallantry from him, and I admit that I owe him infinite thanks for knowing how to judge me so well as not to confound me with them. Doubtless this portrait differs mightily from that which you send me, and in spite of that neither need contradict the other, if one compares the dates. He confesses himself that he has committed many faults, and some others will have been fathered on him. But I have met few men who spoke of virtuous women with greater respect-i might almost say enthusiasm. You teach me that at least in this matter he is no deceiver. His conduct towards Madame de Merteuil is a proof of this. He talks much to us of her, and it is always with so much praise and with the air of so true an attachment that I believed until I received your letter that what he called the friendship between the two, was actually love. I reproach myself for this hasty judgment wherein I was all the more wrong, in that he himself has often been at the pains to justify her. I confess that I took for cunning what was honest sincerity on his part. I do not know, but it seems to me a man who is capable of so persistent a friendship for a woman so estimable cannot be a libertine beyond salvation." I am, for the rest, ignorant as to whether we owe the quiet manner of life which he leads here to any projects he cherishes in the vicinity, as you assume. There are indeed certain amiable women near us, but he rarely goes abroad except in the morning, and then he tells us that it is to shoot. It is true that he rarely brings back any game, but he assures us that he is not a skilful sportsman. Moreover, what he may do without causes me little anxiety and if I desired to know, it would only be in order to be convinced of your opinion or to bring you back to mine. As to your suggestion to me to endeavour to cut short the stay which M. de Valmont proposes to make here, it seems to me very difficult to dare to ask his aunt not to have her nephew in her house, the more so in that she is very fond of him. I promise you, however, but only out of deference and not for any need, to seize any opportunity of making this request either to her or to himself. As for myself, M. de Torvel is aware of my project of remaining here until his return, and he would be astonished, and rightly so, at my frivolity were I to change my mind. These, madame, are my very lengthy explanations, but I thought I owed it to truth to bear my testimony in M. de Valmont's favour. It seems to me he stood in great need of it with you. I am none the less sensible of the friendship which dictated your counsels. To that also I am indebted for your obliging remarks to me on the occasion of the delay as to your daughter's marriage. I thank you for them most sincerely. But however great the pleasure which I promise myself in passing those moments with you, I would sacrifice them with a good will to my desire to do Mademoiselle de Volange more speedily happy. If, indeed, she could ever be more so than with a mother so deserving of all her affection and respect, I share with her those two sentiments which attach me to you, and I pray you kindly to receive my assurance of them. I have the honor to be, etc., at the Chateau de Blanc, 13th August, seventeen. blank.
0: Letter the Twelfth Cécile Volange to the Marquise de Merteuil
2: Mamma is indisposed madame she cannot leave the house and i must keep her company i shall not therefore have the honour of accompanying you to the opera i assure you that i do not regret the performance nearly so much as not to be with you i pray that you will be convinced of this i love you so much would you kindly tell mr le chevalier Danceny that i have not the selection of which he spoke to me and that if he can bring it to me to-morrow, it will give me great pleasure. If he comes to-day, he will be told that we are not at home, but that is because Mamma cannot receive anybody. I hope that she will be better to-morrow. I have the honour to be, etc., Paris, 13th of August,
0: 17. Letter the 13th the marquise de merteuil to cecile volange
3: i am most grieved my pretty one both at being deprived of the pleasure of seeing you and at the cause of this privation i hope that the opportunity will recur i will acquit myself of your commission with the chevalier D'Anceny, who will certainly be distressed to hear of your maman's sickness if she can receive me to-morrow i will come and keep her company She and I will assault the Chevalier de Belleroche at Piquet.
0: Note, this is the same gentleman who is mentioned in the letters of Madame de Merteuil.
3: And while we win his money, we shall have the additional pleasure of hearing you sing with your amiable master, to whom I will suggest it. If this is convenient to your maman and to you, I can answer for myself and my two cavaliers. Adieu, my pretty one. My compliments to dear Madame de Volange. I kiss you most tenderly. Paris, 13th of August, 17. Letter the
0: 14th. Cécile Volange to Sophie Carnet.
2: I did not write to you yesterday, my dear Sophie, but it was not pleasure which was the cause, of that I can assure you. Mamma was ill, and I did not leave her all day. In the evening, when I retired, I had no heart for anything at all, and I went to bed very quickly, to make sure that the day was done. Never have I passed a longer. It is not that I do not love Mamma dearly, but I do not know what it was. I was to have gone to the opera with Madame de Merteuil. The Chevalier d'Anceny was to have been there. You know well that they are the two persons whom I like best. When the hour arrived, when I should have been there, my heart was sore in spite of me. I did not care for anything, and I cried, cried without being able to stop myself. Happily, mamma had gone to bed and could not see me. I am quite sure that the Chevalier d'Anceny will have been sorry too, but he will have been amused by the spectacle and by everybody that's very different luckily mamma is better to-day and madame de merteuil is coming with somebody else and the chevalier d'enceny but she always comes very late madame de merteuil and when one is so long by oneself it is very tiresome it is not yet eleven o'clock it is true that i must play on my harp and then my toilette will take me some time for i want my hair to be done nicely to-day I think Mother Perpetue is right, and that one becomes a coquette as soon as one enters the world. I have never had such a desire to look pretty as during the last few days, and I find I am not as much so as I thought. And then, by the side of women who use rouge, one loses much. Madame de Merteuil, for instance, I can see that all the men think her prettier than me. THAT DOES NOT VEX ME MUCH, BECAUSE SHE IS SO FOND OF ME, AND THEN SHE ASSURES ME THAT THE CHEVALIER DANCENY THINKS I AM PRETTIER THAN SHE. IT IS VERY NICE OF HER TO HAVE TOLD ME THAT. SHE EVEN SEEMED TO BE PLEASED AT IT. WELL, THAT'S the THING I CAN'T UNDERSTAND. IT'S BECAUSE SHE LIKES ME SO MUCH, AND HE, OH, THAT GIVES ME SO MUCH PLEASURE. I THINK TO THAT ONLY TO LOOK AT HIM IS ENOUGH TO MAKE ONE PRETTIER i should look at him always and i will not fear to meet his eyes for every time that that happens to me it puts me out of countenance it seems as though it hurt me but no matter adieu my dear friend i am going to make my toilette i love you as dearly as ever
0: paris 14th of august 17 letter the 15th the vicomte de Valmont to the marquise de Merteuil.
4: It is very nice of you not to abandon me to my sad fate. The life I lead here is really fatiguing from the excess of its repose and its insipid monotony. Reading your letter and the details of your charming day i was tempted a score of times to invent some business to fly to your feet and beg of you an infidelity in my favour to your chevalier who after all does not merit his happiness do you know that you have made me jealous of him why talk to me of an eternal rupture i abjure that vow uttered in a moment of frenzy we should not have been worthy to make it had we meant to keep it (sighs) that i might one day avenge myself in your arms for the involuntary vexation which the happiness of your chevalier has caused me i am indignant i confess when i think that this man without reasoning without giving himself the least trouble but quite stupidly following the instinct of his heart should find a felicity to which i cannot attain oh i will trouble it promise me that i shall trouble it you yourself are you not humiliated you take the trouble to deceive him and he is happier than you you believe he is in your chains it is indeed you who are in his he sleeps tranquilly whilst you watch over his pleasures what more would his slave do listen my lovely friend so long as you divide yourself among many i have not the least jealousy i see then in your lovers only the successors of alexander incapable of preserving amongst them all that empire over which i reigned alone but that you should give yourself entirely to one of them that another man should exist as fortunate as myself i will not suffer it do not hope that i shall suffer it either take me back or at least take someone else and do not betray by an exclusive caprice the inviolate bond of friendship which we have sworn it is quite enough no doubt that i should have to complain of love you see i lend myself to your ideas and confess my errors in fact if to be in love is to be unable to live without possessing the object of one's desire to sacrifice to it one's time one's pleasures one's life I am very really in love. I am no more advanced for that. I should not even have anything at all to tell you of in this matter, but for an incident which gives me much food for reflection, and as to which I know not yet whether I must hope or fear you know my chasseur a treasure of intrigue and a real valet of comedy you can imagine that his instructions bade him to fall in love with the waiting-maid and make the household drunk the knave is more fortunate than i he has already succeeded he has just discovered that madame de tourvel has charged one of her people to inform himself as to my behaviour and even to follow me in my morning expeditions as far as he could without being observed what is this woman's pretension thus then the most modest of them all yet dares do things which we should hardly venture to permit ourselves i swear but before i think of avenging myself for this feminine ruse let us occupy ourselves over methods of turning it to our advantage Hitherto, these excursions, which are suspected, have had no object. Needs must I give them one. <sighs> this deserves all my attention, and I take leave of you to ponder upon it. Farewell, my lovely friend. Still at the chateau de. Fifteenth August seventeen.
0: End of section three.